Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another edition of the podcast Full Measure After Hours, the fastest growing podcast in America because... When you go from zero to anything, it's fast growing. You're growing at infinity, actually, <laughs> when you go from zero. And with me again, David Bernkoff, investigative producer extraordinaire. Welcome. Glad to be back. Yes, it's been a couple of weeks. We're going to talk today about populism. And I sure learned a lot about populism when we traveled through Europe and pretty much asked a lot of people politicians and ordinary people and experts about populism along the way. And one of the first things I learned is establishment politicians and establishment media think populism is a bad thing, pretty much universally. Right, because it upsets the apple cart, so to speak. It changes the players who are important. It changes who you have to cover. It changes how you have to cover things. Well, I learned also there was no standardized definition for populism. In fact, they held a seminar at MIT or somewhere recently to try to come up with a definition. But all those people, by the way, hated populism, so I don't think it's going to be a good definition. I'll tell you, you tell me your definition after the stories that we, you want me to go first? You're rolling your eyes. Okay. My definition after talking to everybody of populism is voter discontent and sort of an uprising against establishment politicians, whether left or right, that they don't think are listening to them. So a popular sort of uprising by people against the establishment, much as I think we've seen here in the United States. What do you think? I think that's a good definition. I think that what some of the experts told us, certainly those MIT experts, is that the extra added part, and, and this was in the piece also from, from one person, in the it's, piece that we're going to be doing Sunday on Full Measure, we'll tell you more about later. But That it also includes not a lot of deep thought about what or how you're going to accomplish the, the populist ideas. Yes. So the people who don't like it, which is a lot of people, they say that politicians who are popular or populist politicians find themselves saying popular things like we need to change this or do away with uncontrolled immigration, but they have no plan or way to deliver on their promises, so it's really going to make things worse. Empty promises is would be part of that critique. And I think one of the things that is important to think about if we're going to talk about populism is that populists have come and gone for as long as there have been elections. Wow, that's deep. I did read a little history about that, um, which we didn't go into in the the report that we have on full measure. Do you want to do 
mention a little of the example of the historical context for populism? Well, I'll let you go first. You must have something <laughs> in mind. Well, I'm trying to remember. It was just like you said, and I think maybe some of this was the seminar at MIT. Over time, was even Hitler a populist at the time, or some people thought yeah, he was? You could certainly say that that his rise was was a populist rise. I think one of the, I don't know how many people remember, but Argentina went through uh, the rise of a populist leader in the 40s uh, named Juan Perón, and it was his wife, Evita, who was later the subject of the famous play and song. Uh, she would be considered one of the classic populist kind of leaders. What did they appeal to that was popular in Argentina? Well, they had a faltering economy, and he came in and said he was going to fix things. And she uh, said she was going to help raise the standard of living of poor people. And I'm not sure over time whether Peronism helped Argentina or not, but for a while the two of them were quite the power couple for the whole world. And and uh, there are those who said he was on the verge of becoming a dictator when finally he lost power. Well, she obviously died very young, and that's the tragedy of the play, but that has nothing to do with populism. Oh, Evita. I never, oh, I never saw the play. See what you learn when you talk to David? To counterpoint some of this negativity, though, I will argue, as I listen to people talk on various sides, the populism, the the people who don't like it say you're making empty promises, you can't deliver on no plan. But isn't that what the politicians they're against have been doing? The politicians that that the voters who are uprising against, they are accused sort of of making promises to get elected and then not delivering on them. I think that's just sort of I don't think that's specific to populists. And then I would defend some of the populists by saying, if they are simply tapping into sentiment that's not being addressed by the establishment politicians, even if they don't have a path, or if they have a path, but then the establishment politicians around them prevent them from delivering on the promises, I'm not sure that's necessarily a problem with populism. That might be something else. So that's that's just sort of a counterpoint. It might be a problem with governing today. Right. And certainly, the in places where populist leaders have had success recently, it is absolutely because of the failure of the existing political structure to deal with the significant problems that existed. So, for instance, we were in Greece, and not long when we visited Greece, there was a pretty far left government that had come in as a reaction to the economic chaos uh, and decline in Greece. And they elected a very far-left populist government, which then, a couple of months after we were there, got thrown out because they, while the economy had improved somewhat, there were other issues, including immigration and uh, unemployment had come down, but not enough. So now there's more right-wing government in Greece. So the the rise of the left-wing populist government was a direct result of the failure of the more mainstream political system. Well, that's something that was important, I thought, because if you watch criticism of populism, especially here in the United States, I read a lot that made it sound like right-wing conservatism and knee-jerk you know, decision-making is what populism is. But what we learned in Europe is it's left, it's right, it's all kinds of, you know, there, there, as you said, 
left-wing politicians being voted in and out, right-wing politicians being voted in and out. It's just discontent with the establishment, whatever it may be. And in Great Britain, for example, we were told that's tearing apart the two-party system because that's a place where you don't have to be a member of one of the two main parties, unlike here, to basically hold seats in their parliament. So people are fleeing their left-wing party, their traditional biggest left-wing and right-wing parties, conservative and liberal, for other parties that may be conservative and liberal but have made different promises and are appealing more to them, and they're able to win seats in parliament because it's proportional, if I'm understanding it correctly. You can still have some sway and sit in parliament even if you're with a minor party there. Do you have something to say and want to make your own podcast? Let me tell you how to do that for free with Anchor. Anchor has creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Right. But one thing that's interesting as we approach the British general election, which will happen a few days after this podcast, is that the polling suggests that as it's getting closer to the election, the two main parties, the Conservative and the Labour Party, are regaining some of their votes that they had seemed to be losing. And so the other parties, including the Green Party, the Brexit Party, which was a more hardline get out of the European Union party, and then the Liberal Democrats, which was the most remain party in the EU, that makes sense. They were the party that wanted to remain the most. All those parties, according to the polls, have lost votes in the last few weeks. And so you may be having a return to normal in Britain. We'll see pretty soon. Well, I guess the point is, though, you know, everything has a backlash, everything has its time, but we have been sort of in the throes of populist trends, including in South America and other places, that are shaking up, in many places, politics as we know it. President Trump here in the United States credited or blamed on populism, depending on how you look at it, and same in other countries. And a lot of... You know, of you have, I'm sorry, one, one story that doesn't get a lot of attention here, which is really fascinating, is the reaction now in a place like Lebanon, which has had the most fractious politics possible, but... People have been kind of afraid to stand up against the pro-Iranian groups that have military uh, militias there. And there have been protests in Lebanon that have brought that country to a standstill. Now, I, I don't know enough about Lebanon to know that you would call that populism, but it certainly it's a is, popular uprising. It is a popular uprising. It is a reaction against the established parties that have sort of gone along with the system that has left Lebanon almost ungovernable, and people are kind of tired of it there. So when you see it in places like that, that's that's pretty interesting. And then another important thing I learned as we explored this in Europe from Denmark to Greece and in between is that at the root of a lot of this, according to some experts, is immigration. So what happened is particularly in Europe in 2015, also here in the United States, but they had their immigration crisis. They had 
uh, wave, as you may remember, of mostly Muslim immigrants, refugees, come in in sort of an uncontrolled fashion. And at first, Europe opened its arms and said, this is wonderful, you're welcome here. But what hasn't been as widely reported is pretty quickly thereafter, because of financial impacts, cultural clashes, Islamic extremist terrorist attacks that occurred by some of these refugees, Europe largely shut the door to this. And they're still suffering and dealing with the impact of it. And that was a main motivating factor in some instances, analysts say, behind popular uprising. And not just from people who are sometimes branded as being racist for asking questions or anti-immigrant for having concerns. But one expert we spoke to, Eric Kaufman, who wrote the book White Shift, a professor at, in the United Kingdom, he said, there are simply people who are concerned with fast change without a plan or less comfortable with the kind of changes that are occurring and they're not necessarily and maybe mostly not racist or anti-immigrant. They simply have questions about the pace of change that's happening and whether it's it should be happening in an uncontrolled fashion. And that has motivated some people on left and right to ask these questions and say that they're politicians by refusing to address this um, in a way that they think it should be addressed, you know, they, they feel like their establishment has had failed them. If you saw or see our cover story on populism, you'll see Professor Kaufman. And I thought he summed it up really well when he said the difference now, the prime motivating difference in who you vote for in almost all Western democracies is how comfortable are you with rapid change? Some people do not want to see rapid change, and some people are comfortable with it. And that is a dividing, a bright dividing line. And he said it's not voters. a division of, along race, which some have made it to be, which has further divided people. He said many people who are comfortable with the status quo and do not want these quick cultural changes that are happening are themselves minorities, but they simply fall in the camp of less comfortable with sudden change. So I thought he was really enlightening and fair in his discussion about both sides. So Let's finish this by talking about Donald Trump in the United States. I didn't even know what populism really was when he was elected, and I didn't really understand the relationship between that concept and his election. But now I see that he has up, uprooted the apple cart or turned over the apple cart. I see why some on both left and right don't like him. I mean, for other reasons, too, but also for the sake that for the case that he didn't come up through the party system. And here there were just people in all corners of America, some of them even liberals, who said, we like the guy who is upsetting the apple cart and going to do the things that our politicians haven't addressed, or they've given us platitudes instead of addressing head on these things that we're concerned about. What do you think that portends for 2020? What's that dynamic? I'm someone who covered a lot of politics back when I used to work at CNN, and this is different than anything I ever saw when I was there. Now, voters almost always complain about the system. They feel it's not responsive. But previously, in the last, well, in the post-war years, the last 50 years, voters were ultimately willing to hold their nose and vote for the person that was closest to what they thought, and eventually they made their choices and they voted. And now I think 
on the Democratic side, you're certainly seeing this play out in ways that uh, we don't know what's going to happen at this point, but you have a very liberal populist wing represented by Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren that seems to have 30 to 40 percent, and you have a more mainstream wing of the Democratic Party, and we'll see what happens, but that is going to be a fight to the end, I would expect. Uh, and I certainly don't see anybody challenging, seriously challenging President Trump on the Republican side, and I don't think any Democrat right now, no matter who their ultimate nominee is, thinks that the wave that brought Donald Trump into the presidency is over. That's the question. And so I was going to say, in 2020, we will ask, are people tired of it? Okay, they swept Donald Trump into office. They liked the way he talked. He has tried, he has filled some of his promises, you know, and the economy is awesome. Other things he hasn't done. And you could argue, well, that's because they won't let him. And there's some truth to that. There's, he's been hit by lawsuits with anything he's tried to do and, you know, hit with opposition, sometimes even within his own party. But the point is, four years later, will people say, okay, we, he talked a good game. He didn't get certain things done. I'm kind of tired of the talk. Or will they say, he did more at least than some other politicians that would have done things. He's still talking the right game. And if we put him back in for four more years and he doesn't have to worry about some of the stuff he's had to deal with the first four years, maybe it will be different. I will put my money, again, I'm not a political reporter. What do I know? But just for the sake of this podcast, I'll say he gets reelected fairly easily at this point. I don't think people are done with him yet or done with this idea that he's got that popular appeal. I think one other issue that we'll figure out over the next year or so is this getting back to the question of what is populism, do people perceive that it was more style than substance, which is also an accusation made about populists, that they talk a good game? Uh, so I, again, I don't see it as being an easy election for the Democrats at all, and I don't think the Democrats see that. Uh, I don't have any money to bet, so I won't bet. <laughs> All right. So if you want to hear more about populism and hear actually from some experts, ordinary people, and politicians all across Europe from our travels, you can watch the episode of Full Measure that will air. What is the date of that, of this Sunday? It airs on 8th? December 8th. Okay. So if if you're listening to this before December 8th, you'll have to wait till December 8th. But from that point on, you can go to fullmeasure.news and watch the replay of our populism story if this intrigues you. If not, no worries. We will have another podcast on an entirely different topic But soon. it should intrigue it you. It should intrigue you. So thanks for listening as always. You can subscribe to Full Measure After Hours or the Cheryl Ackeson podcast on iTunes or your favorite distributor. Love to have you. Pass it along to your friends. Leave a good review. Tell your friends and family about it. Anything you can do. And anything else you want to say, David, before we... I'm hopeful that my children will listen to one of these eventually. They still haven't? You said no. they were listening. Uh, they, they've declined so far. <laughs> they hear enough of me. Yeah, well, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for listening, everybody. Do your own research, make up your own mind, and think for yourself. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, leave a comment, like it, share it with your friends, and consider subscribing to the Cheryl Ackeson podcast. 
and Full Measure After Hours. Those are two of my podcasts. You can listen to them on iTunes or your favorite distributor or visit CherylAckison.com and just look at the podcast tab. You can listen to them right there. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself. Thanks for listening.